good to be back. I don't know if we should consider that a sabbatical or what it was, but... And we're not going to discuss what it was. It's over now. Yeah, that's right. Actually, I see it as God's just getting started. Right? He's been working on people for thousands of years. And we ain't seen nothing yet. You got it, Pastor. Let's just pray before I get started here. I believe I got a word from God for you, so... Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's real to us. We pray, O oh God, that you would give us revelation knowledge. You said if any of us would ask for wisdom, that you would give it to us. Well, we pray that you would give us your wisdom, give it to us liberally, that we can have it, Lord, that we would know your word, that it would be in our hearts, that we can walk it, talk it, live it, and be exactly what you took, called us to be in your name. Amen. So before I get started, I'll first thank Pastor Gary for opening the pulpit up to me and allowing me to be able to share the word of God with you. We've got great pastors, right? Pastor Paul, Shirley, Pastor Gary, and Pastor Nancy. They're wonderful people. Let's give them a little applause. <laughs> so I'll start by a little joke, since you all know that that's what I do. So, so God was just having fun one day, and he decided he was going to give a test to Satan and to Jesus. So he says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you this test. It's 100 questions. And the last part of it, there's a part that you have to do a written. And the written part is going to be about five or six pages you have to write out. Well, they're nearing the end of the exam, and the power went out. And then the power came back on. Well, Satan went out of his mind. He was flipping out. And God said, what is the problem? You need to settle down over there. It was just a little power outage. He said, I lost all my tests. I got to start over. And he said, what Jesus doing over there smiling? He said, oh, I forgot to tell you, Jesus saves. Huh. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I should pray again, yeah. Revelation, right? I need revelation. Okay. I, I think I got the revelation of that. Jesus saves, right? Did you get that? So, so let's, let's, yeah, let's lay a little groundwork for uh, what I'm going to talk about. So my title for the message is, What's in Your Mouth? The groundwork is very simple, right? God's word is true. It is to me. Is it to you? Right? So, the foundation of this is, we can go through scripture. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a couple of them. You don't have to turn to them all. I can read them for you very easily. I've got a lot of notes here, and I don't know how much I'm going to get covered, but I don't think they want me to take me till 10 o'clock tonight, so I'll, I'll watch the time. So Numbers 23:19 it says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. That means he's the same always. Always. Doesn't matter if you're at home because you can't go to work because you're told not to. Doesn't matter if you're here at church praising God. Doesn't matter if you're off doing whatever. God is the same. And he doesn't stop loving you. John 17, 17. Jesus was praying and he said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. In other words, sanctify them with your word. So, if we want to get sanctified, if we want to change the way we live, if we want to change our mouth, if we want to change what we say to people, we need to start by getting the truth of the word into our minds, right? Quite often, people think that they can just change themselves. Well, they've spent their entire life getting to where they got on their own, 
didn't work out so well. They need God's help. 2 Timothy 3.16. Now, it sounds like I'm going to cover a lot. I'll slow down on this and get into some conversation. But all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Again, this is fundamental. This is the basics of what we're going to talk about. So all scripture is inspired by God. It's here for our correction. I know we don't like to hear the word. But sometimes correction is really good for us. If we really believe God's word's true, it is good for us. Because sometimes we're wrong. We don't like to admit it, not in our flesh. But if we can understand that we make mistakes, maybe we can be less critical of others. Hmm. Okay. There was one amen. I appreciate that. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit. And the joints of the marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Well, I don't know if you understand what that means. It doesn't get any deeper. That's everything inside you. That's as far down as you can go. And it has the ability of going there and separating it getting to the core of who we are so we can develop who he wants us to be. It's not about finding out who we are so we can learn to live with ourselves. I've done that before. It's about learning who God wants you to be and becoming that. So if, if you're going through your life and things haven't changed, maybe you need to look at how you go about your life. It's necessary to note that to partake in the benefits of God and be able to speak blessing into your life And to be able to establish those benefits, you need to know his word, right? We want to say that God's word is true. We want to say that the benefits are ours. Abraham's blessings are mine, mine in the going in, mine in the going. You know all that stuff. Do you know what Abraham's blessings are? If you don't, you need to read them before you start singing it. (laughs) You need to find out what God intends for you. His intent for you is for good, not for evil. FYI, if you're still living, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I got to relook at what I just put there. It's still living, regardless of what we do with it. That's the FYI part. It's still living. It's still powerful, whether you are actively seeking God and His Word or not. It still is doing its job. It may not be doing it in your life, but it's doing it all around you. Hence, what God said to me two years ago: What makes you think it's all about you? Billions of people on the planet, and you're concerned about one thing about you. It's not always about you. Hurt sometimes, right? Sometimes we have a hard time believing that God couldn't focus just on me, though he is focused on me, but sometimes things are going on around me that hurt me a little bit, but it's just rubbing me, making me a better person, if I let it. If I let it. So there, we set a foundation. So we need to consider the words that we speak, whether we are aware or not, they hold lots of power. Right? So again, my title was, What's in Your Mouth? Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. Anybody understand what that means? Means out of it, right? We have the ability to speak life or we can speak death. It's very simple. Don't have to overthink it. That means the stakes are very high. What comes out of your mouth decides what you're going to get. 
You get what you speak. Choice is yours. You can speak words of life, words of faith, build one another up, or tear one another down. But the choice is yours. These are all based on the fundamental ordinances of God. He's put them in place, very much similar to the way the universe goes. But this really is the law of sowing and reaping, whether you want to see it as such. Uh, everything that we do is subject to a law, whether you think it is or not. It doesn't matter, right? We get up in the morning, the sun seems to come up. We go to bed at night, the sun goes down. The moon's up, the moon's down. If, if everything didn't function as it was, those things just wouldn't happen. But God set it up to work that way. Gravity has its play. The sun, the moon, stars, everything works harmoniously. It's a good word for our God, isn't it? <clears throat> so, if everything operates under, really, the law of sowing of reaping, and I really think you can apply that to most areas of your life. <clears throat> you, for example, I guess you have to understand, I guess, the law of sowing and reaping works that if we sow peace, we receive peace. By the way, if you sow kindness to somebody and they don't sow kindness back, don't be offended. I'll tell you how it works. You did your part your reward still comes. If the other person didn't sow the kindness back, oh, they reap the results of that. So just so you understand, you still get your reward. So even though it doesn't feel like it, even though it doesn't seem like it, if you can trust your God to be true, that's what we, we already determined. Fundamental truth. Our God is true. His word is real. It says... We can take him at his word. Try me, he says, right? What is in your mouth? Are you sowing love? Are you sowing joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Anybody know what they are? Fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5.23 tells us, against such there is no law. You can have as much of that goodness as you want. It's like a buffet. God set it up that we can go to his buffet as much as we want. You can have the good. Fill up on it. It's only going to make you better if you let it. Or it'll make you bitter. Yeah, you're going to have a vowel movement. Yeah, careful how you say that. Another joke, right? Just what you need. Yep. So if you consider life, you'll see how this has played out for you previously. The results of bad seeds sown, in some cases, we'll call them wild oats. <laughs> the results are sometimes there behind us, right? Sowing and reaping. If you consider, more importantly, the goodness of our God and the good things that have happened in your life, you'll see how sowing that right seed yielded the right fruit. Think about this. The love of a husband and wife in its purity is to bring forth children. The children to the parents, there's no greater love. Think about it. In the purity of love, as God has developed it, it's no greater love than you would have. You would do anything for your child. You would sacrifice your own life for your child's. We all know that. And if you didn't, you can talk to me after. Or if you wouldn't, sorry, you can talk to me after. 
So if you are kind, you receive kindness. If you give, you'll get in return. You don't have to be looking for the get, but God really tries this on. If you limit him, you'll get limited, right? Try me on, he says. I am true, right? You can't give as much as he can. And if you think you can, try him. Try him, because he'll do it to you, right? He'll give you exactly what James is talking about, overflowing blessing, right? In all areas of your life. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm just talking about your life. Give it away. It's worth nothing. It's but a vapor. (laughs) That's a whole different subject. So if you love, you'll be loved. If you're gentle, you'll receive gentleness back. What's out of your mouth, right? What comes out? Is it life? Is it death? What's in your mouth? That was the question how I started tonight, right? Think about this. A horse bridled by a bit in its mouth. The bit weighs about a pound and a half. The average horse weighs about 1,200 pounds. So less, a little bit more than 1% of the weight of the horse controls the horse. What does that sound like to you? Sounds like the way most of the world works, doesn't it? A little over 1% of the population controlling the other 98? Okay. I'm just saying, and, and I don't, I'm not suggesting anybody take any offense to any of that. Matter of fact, I'm going to read you, I'm going to walk you through that so you don't have to. I, I just think that it's imp- important to note that God takes note of our tongue the same way. So how about this? A mid to a large size container ship weighs about 100,000 tons. It's 1,300 feet long or a quarter of a mile. That's big, eh? A quarter of a mile. You, you get tired walking to the other end of the ship. And it's steered or controlled by a rudder. And that rudder, I'm just, it's an average here, so don't, don't go check it out with Wikipedia and call me tomorrow and say, you're lying. It's about 18 feet wide. I'm not talking about height. Height-wise, is about 54 feet tall. 18 feet. So you had 18 feet staring 1,300 feet. Again, crazy percentages because it works out to about a percent and a half. So, I was going to read James uh, 3 out of the uh, New King James, and I decided that I was going to go to the message because I really, really like the way it reads. God is really good in his word, and I, I've gotten in the habit of reading something and going through it in multiple translations, even to the tune of looking at some of the originals, and it's pretty amazing some of the things that you come up with that you realize that you miss things in translation or maybe somebody else missed something or they just see it differently than you do. What's wrong with seeing things through somebody else's eyes? It's probably good for us, right? So let me read this. And if it doesn't minister to you or help you, well, I'll pray for you. <laughs> Including you, my wife. <laughs> Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is a high responsibility. Hmm. Teachers are held to the strictest standards and none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. Isn't that interesting? If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. A bit in the horse of a mouth or the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A rudder on a ship 
in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account to you, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that too. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony into chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild. It's a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God, our Father, and with the same tongue, we curse men and women that he's made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't, doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next, does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? And ra- raspberries bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and take up a cup of clear, cool water, are you? Don't you like that? Pretty real about what we speak. Hmm. I think it is anyway. A word of you, out of your mouth may seem of no account. But it can accomplish nearly anything. Or destroy it. What's in your mouth? What's coming out of your mouth? What is your confession? Is it true? Is it a lie? Is it life? Is it death? Speak life, not death, the word says. Speak blessings, not cursing. Not sometimes, but in all things. Whether you're talking about your workplace, a friend, your wife, your husband, your child, your church. See, God's laws are true. They do not change. They're made without prejudice. Without prejudice simply means without any prejudgment. Doesn't prejudge them. He sets them up. You do with it what you please. The results become yours. He made it so we can walk this road, but we choose to do it or not. But bear in mind, they will accomplish what they're set out to do. Isaiah 55, uh, 8 to 11. Yes, you're right. You're there. Love this one, too. I, I, I can't get enough of the book of Isaiah anyway, so it's God. I should have looked at it with my glasses on. So. Uh, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make, make it bring forth bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. See, God's word does what he's intended it for it to do. That's why it's important that we know it. It's important that we get our head saturated with it so we're not thinking about all the other stuff. But so out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth will speak God's word. Hmm. The backstory to God saying that was 
that God was speaking to the people of Israel. Now, this was 2,700 years ago. It sounds very current for me, but, and he tells the people in verse uh, 1 to 7, he tells them to turn their hearts back to God, and they'll reap the benefit of sowing repentance. <laughs> Just turn back to me, and I'll give you everything. That's him today. He's here today. You might have said the wrong thing coming in here in the car, but he's here today to say, if you just turn around, I'll change it for you today. You don't have to live there anymore. You can live on the other side of that. Don't be bound by the words of your mouth. Be freed by them. It's a choice, right? This word's very relevant for today, whether we think it is or not. A lot of people are saying a lot of things about a lot of stuff that's going on, and they don't have a clue what's going on. God doesn't change. He's a covenant-keeping God to the end. If today you'll change your ways, truly change your ways, then and only then you can reap the benefit of your covenant-keeping God. But you have to change. You can't continue to do what you did yesterday and expect tomorrow to be different. God doesn't show partiality. He doesn't. What he does for one, he'll do for everyone else. Provided... Here's another side to it, and here's our part. Provided we, too, have chased after God and submitted our lives to him as the other person has. <laughs> so there's some work involved here, right? It's not about, you know, God, I want that. You know, it's fine. Yeah, you can have it, but you got work to do, right? See, it's about our commitment to him, not his to us. He is already committed. He said here, I'll give them my son, the ultimate. So they're free, but they have to choose it. It's a choice. He's a constant. Anybody need any confirmation of that? Okay, okay, since you asked, not a problem, Larry. <clears throat> Romans 10, 12 says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is over all, is rich to all who call upon him. Woohoo! He's good to all who call on him. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in case we need to go back to the Old Testament, for anybody that's a firm believer that you got to make sure it's supported all the way through, Malachi 3, 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. So he doesn't, he, I don't think we can confuse that. I was just, what, what do you think he was saying there? Like, I, I change not. Do you think he meant that he didn't change? What do you think, Pastor Paul? He didn't change. He's not changing. Hmm. What's in your mouth? I've heard lots of people with lots of opinions about a lot of different things over this past year and a bit. I've had some of them. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm out of the group. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm in it. <laughs> I'm saying I'm asking God to work through me. Help me to see it the way he sees it. Help me to talk it the way he talks. Not the way I want to do it in my flesh, but the way he wants us to see things. See, if we truly believe his word's true, everybody agreed that it was, right? Then it doesn't matter that we were just in a lockdown for six weeks. It should never have mattered if we were on one last year for anybody, 
And I'm not suggesting you should or shouldn't be home. I'm not suggesting you should or you shouldn't listen to what's going on. I'm suggesting that it shouldn't matter to you because you should be able to just say, my God's in control. Romans 8.28 says, what? All things work together for good. Now, did you think they meant all? I mean, Paul, all. Do you think he made a, made a mistake when he was writing his name and just slipped all in there by accident? I mean, I think he meant all because it was the same God that's the constant, right? Doesn't change, right? He, he's, not, he's not playing a game with us. He set it up so it's easy, but we make it complicated. We want to be able to do things our way. Fit God into our box. Well, he owns the box. I got news for you. Newsflash brought the sun up. It's going back down. He did it, right? Same yesterday, this morning, tonight, and tomorrow. Anyway, let's get on with where I was. I'm not going to discuss my position or my perspective because I realize it's irrelevant. All position and perspective does is cause division with people. We need to put our divisions aside. We think that God's coming back. We think that Jesus is going to come back. That's not going to happen until he comes back for a church without spot or wrinkle. Spot or wrinkle, I would suggest, doesn't have any division. Since God hates division, division's really where Satan lost his position, correct? Anybody hear me? Is this good? So I'm going to be clear about one thing, and that's God's position on it. Because it's the only one that matters. He is for good, not for evil. Right? We just spoke over Romans 8.28. Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Don't think he was kidding. Because if you go back to the backstory before this in Jeremiah, it was the same one that Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah 55. Come back to me, people. Come back to me. I'm your God. I will give you everything. I won't hold anything back if you'll turn to me. But turn means you have to... Wait a minute. minute. Do you think he meant turn? This is confusing, isn't it? He said turn. He says he didn't change. Does that mean he turn and he doesn't change? I, anyway, I'm being a little facetious. There. I'll, I'll stop with that. <clears throat> so, as a thought, I think it's time everyone drops personal preferences or personal opinions. It's time that we lived a life of righteousness. Be concerned about right living before God. What, what does right living really look like? Anybody know? Good answer. Anybody else? Come on, Larry, I see it. Ah, good answer, good answer. Ultimate example, Jesus. He lived it, he walked it. He was the example for us, right? Acts 10.38 sums it up. I'm going to read it. I printed it on here in the message because I love the way it reads out in the message. Then Jesus arrived from Nazareth, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. He was ready for action. He went through the country helping people and healing everyone who was beaten down by the devil. He was able to do all this because God was with him. 
Again, what's in your mouth? Healing? Goodness? Life? Mercy? What is it? What's coming out? If it's not those things, sip it. That's what God told me. If it's no good, got it. Just keep it closed. Walk away. If you can't say anything, my mother told me that. If we can't say anything good, then don't say anything at all. It didn't stop her, but it was supposed to stop me. (laughs) Thank goodness Jesus is our example, right? Because all of us would have failed. And I'm not judging anybody, I'm just saying, right? Speak life, speaking life, doing good. He did good. He healed all. There was no question. If there was a problem where somebody wasn't going to get healed, he just walked away from the situation. Because there was rebellion, there was dissension, there was all these other things that worked against him too. He was no different than us. He was subjected to the same things, the Bible tells us. John 17 is probably, for me, it's got to be one of the most straightforward, awesome chapters in the, in the book of John. Sorry, John, I appreciate you writing that. Um, because Jesus lays out prayer for us here. And if we really read it, there's a lot to it. Because he prays for himself first. He prays for his disciples second. And then he prays for all the believers attached to his disciples. He's not praying for Ethiopians he doesn't know. He's not praying for South Africans he doesn't know. He's not praying. He was praying for the people he was connected to. Why? Because he knew their need. He knew the people. He knew the position. He was tied there. And he knew what to pray. Verses 23, 20 to 23. This is what he says in the message. I'm not praying only for them. He's referring to the disciples now, but also for those who believe in me because of them. That that's us. Just so you know. Okay. And their witness about me. The goal is for them to all become one heart. Wait a minute. That's us, right? Okay. One mind, just as you father are in me and I in you. So they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. This is his prayer for us. <laughs> the same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they will be as unified and together as we are. I in them and you and me. Then they will be mature in their oneness. If there's no oneness, there's no maturity. I'm sorry. We want to see the power of God move in our lives. We're going to need some unity. We're going to have to change some goals. We're going to have to change some perspectives. Hmm. One voice. Give them the, <laughs> and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them the same way that you loved me. See, Our lives are supposed to be evidence of why Jesus came to this earth. If our mouth is saying one thing, and we're thinking or talking something else in church, and we're not showing it, 
I'm sorry, we're missing it. And I'm not judging anybody. I've been there myself. I, I'm trying to work on me. That's where this comes from, right? That's, that's God working in me. So I understand if you feel it. If I just stepped on your toe, sorry, put out the other foot. I'll get it in a minute. <laughs> What's in your mouth? Is there unity in your mouth or division? Is there blessing in your mouth or is there cursing in your mouth? And I don't mean curse words necessarily, but are you speaking life or death? <laughs> Verses 6 to 12, Jesus prayed, and he said, I pray for them. Now he's praying about the disciples. I'm not praying for the God-rejected world, but for those you gave me. For they are yours by right. Everything that is mine is yours. Yours is mine, and my life is on display in them. What kind of display do we give those who come in contact with us? Lord, help me. I failed. I don't fail all the time, but I failed. So what kind of a display are we giving? Are our words his words? Are our words our words? What's in your mouth? Is Jesus being displayed through you? His intention was not that we allow life to cause division and separation, but rather to cause us to draw closer. So when things happen, we become a unified force not a divided force. United, you're strong. Divided, you fall. Right? Supporting one another, praying for one another. But Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Believing for God to show himself through us, through our words, through our deeds. Be good to people. Can't tell you enough. Just be good to people. Till it becomes... Your nature, <laughs> not a second nature. That's the problem. It is a second nature to most of us most of the time. It should be our primary, right? Paul in the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 3 says, first thing I want you to do is pray. I wonder if he meant that we should pray. Again, there's not a lot of question marks here, right? Pretty straightforward stuff. Pray every way you know how. Wow. I guess that shouldn't be, Lord, I pray that you bless our food today. Amen. Every way you know how. On your knees, on your head, sitting down, standing up, rejoicing in God. Your life is supposed to be prayer all the time, communicating with the Father. When something happens in your life that's good, we're supposed to be able to say thank you. A grateful heart does good. Hmm? Ungrateful, you know where that ends up. All bad. Pray especially for our rulers and their governments to rule well so we can be about our business of living simply in humble contemplation. This is the way our Savior God wants us to live. Now, I didn't write that. I didn't write it. But I'm learning from it. Right, Larry? Wow. 
maybe if we pay exa- uh, attention to the examples, like the way Jesus prayed, we don't necessarily want, we don't need to, to pray to influence the world. Our, our job, I think when we pray to influence the world, we're taking our eyes off of what he's given us, which is each other. My, my sphere of influence is right here. My sphere of influence is who I touch in a run of a day. That's who I pray for. Because that person in parliament that you think we need to pray for, somebody else is close to them praying for them. That's the way it's supposed to work. Right? And I'm not suggesting you don't pray for your government. I'm not suggesting you don't lift people up in prayer. I'm suggesting that our focus needs to be on who we, get, who we touch. And our focus needs to be what comes out of our mouth. That we touch them with the right words. Hmm. Not a lot of people getting excited anymore. <laughs> I knew he was going to do that to me. <laughs> anyway. So, for example, I guess, if, we're gonna ref- if I'm going to refer to the government, I think we really need to pray that they would, that I, what I understand from this is that we're supposed to pray that they do their job well. That we, not, not, not for a bunch of other stuff, that they do their job well, that we, we, we can live the life that we, that we, corporately here, have been called to live. It's not fancy. I know it's not a lot of these and thous and thighs and get down on your knees and whatever else, but it's straightforward, right? That we can live the life that we're supposed to live, that we can do what God's called us to do. Regardless of what we see, remember Romans 8.28, right? All things work together for our good. So regardless what we see, all things work together for our good. Pastor Gary, last year I told you I went to work at your house. What did I tell you? I'm going to go to work at your house. I told you the date. That's the date that the lockdown started. I told you when am I going to finish, right? Done. Anyway, that's my God. I, I don't, and I'm not, I'm not saying that the lockdown happens to that, uh, but that's my God. I can believe that that's why it happened. <laughs> Too bad. Yeah. I, I, think, I think that that's the way it works. I, I, trust him. Believe him for your life. If you don't believe him and trust him, you're missing it anyway, right? What's in your mouth? Did I say that enough yet? Anybody get it? What am I talking about? Right now it's water. <clears throat> That's because it's getting dry. <clears throat> so are you speaking life into your situation? Are you speaking life into your home, into your job, into everything that's around you? Can we stop living in a world that we're entitled? I don't mean that in a nasty sense. I just mean like God's blessed us. Who cares if you go to a restaurant tonight? Fact is, you get groceries in your fridge. Who cares? We're blessed. The United States and Canada are probably two of the most blessed nations in the entire world. And we're all upset about getting stuck at home for a few weeks. God doesn't want us getting upset about anything. Never mind getting stuck at home for a couple weeks, right? We, We need to live our lives according to him, right? Jesus is our example. He lived what he preached. And remember, he was living in Israel at the time, under the control and government of the Roman Empire. He didn't preach about that. 
he didn't raise any commotion against them. Instead, he says in Mark 12, 17, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and to God what's God's. See, he respected the lines of authority, understood or understanding everyone's answers, answers to somebody, right? We all answer to somebody somewhere. In some cases, I guess that's why some of us are married, so we can answer to our wives. I mean, it's a, it's a whole, it's, it's, it's a point of authority, right? It is what it is, right, Joey? Okay. <laughs> Just checking, buddy. <laughs> See if you're awake there. All right. So Matthew, five, uh, Matthew 8, verses 5 to 8 says that Jesus marveled at the faith expressed by the centurion because of his understanding of the authority. Verse 13, Jesus said to the centurion, go and let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. So what's in your mouth? The centurion spoke faith. He understood authority. And he says, Jesus, you just say it and it'll happen. He understood that. If the centurion understood it and he worked and he was in the government that controlled that, the, the, the nation at that time, why can't we understand it? What, what's the problem? Am I missing something? Wake me up. <laughs> Anybody? Speak life. Speak faith. Speak peace. Speak kindness. Speak unity. Put away all forms of malice. Right? That's what I got for you. God's goodness is all over us. And if you can't see it, you need to go look for it. It, it doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. If you don't see it, it's unfortunate for you. It's all around you. The fact that you're here, the fact that you're breathing, the fact that the sun came up today, it's God's good. All the time. He does not stop. We already established that. So watch the words that come out of your mouth. Make sure that you speak life and blessing. Mm. Thank you. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.